2: Welcome to another edition of 2 Upfront, presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios. I am Baxter Colburn.
0: And this is Simon Provan.
2: A very touching tribute being played all across the airwaves today, not only by us, but many other people as well. As we uh, remember the team that uh, passed away today, unfortunately, uh, on their way to Colombia for the first leg for a Serie A uh, game for them. It actually uh, the, the
0: Copa Sudamerica, Copa Sudamerica final. Copa
2: yes. And just a tragic event as their plane crashed. Uh, Simon, you have a little bit more of the details. I well, think, yeah, so the,
0: this club, uh, they were founded in 1973, Baxter. Spent a lot of time in the minor leagues of Brazil. Uh, made it up to Syria in 2014. Have been there since. And this was their biggest game in their club's history. Again, traveling to Colombia to take on Atletico Nacional. In the first leg of the Copa Sudamerica, which if you don't know much about that, it's basically the Europa League of South America. So a big deal for this club. Plane crashed 22 miles from the airport. By the way, most I want to give credit where credit's due. I'm getting most of this information from the Telegraph Mm -hmm. out of the UK and a little bit more from an article just published eight minutes ago by USA Today. Anyways, uh... Club is out of Brazil. Crashed 22 miles from the airport. Only five survivors. Originally six survivors. Baxter, but one of their goalkeepers, who were, who survived the initial crash, ended up passing away later. So three players did survive the crash. Looks like a journalist as well and a uh, uh, sorry, not a custodian. What am I thinking of? Stewart as well survived. So incredibly sad day. You know, everywhere you go on Twitter, everybody's talking about their thoughts and prayers being with this club and of Absolutely. course the same for two up front
2: yeah I think it was it was incredible too I, I woke up to the news this morning and it was amazing to see how quickly a lot of like the big European clubs jumped on it and were you know I saw a video this morning of Real Madrid uh, before their training today just in a circle praying together and just you know because I mean James Rodriguez is Colombian so I mean he's at least from the general vicinity and I'm sure there's other players on the team too that have that Brazilian or that South American you know heritage I guess that sure they're, they're all sure. familiar with a lot of those guys and The general vicinity. So it was great to see how many people have immediately jumped on this, and it's it's not a um, it's not a big team. Let's let's be honest. I mean, the people you know they've fought all the way up from the the fourth division basically in Brazilian football, and now they're they were playing in the first division, which is fantastic. But it's good to see that it doesn't matter where the team is. It's not. I mean, I'm sure it would be a different story if it was an Arsenal, a Barcelona, something like that. But the fact that these were guys that love the game, that played the game at such a you know great level. People are still celebrating them, and they're still doing everything they can to to honor them as well. Because anytime something like this happens, it's tragic. Oh, well, absolutely! No and
0: especially when you think about, yeah, they are a small club; not many people know about them. It makes their story even better. I feel even even better when when you're considering that here they are playing in a Copa Sudamericana final. Yeah, you know they've been called the Leicester City of Brazil because you know when you're talking about big teams like Corinthians and Santos playing down in Brazil, and then you got the small club that that's mm-hmm. playing for a final. It, not that it makes it more sad, but it makes that club that much more special. You know, it's not unlike a, a Green Bay Packers of the NFL, this small town. I think there were only 200,000 people in this city. Yep. F- you know, funny enough, they were also a green and gold team. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's incredibly heartbreaking. And, and yes, you know, no matter who the teams are, whether it's, whether it's the Milwaukee Torrent here in Milwaukee or Barcelona in La Liga... Manchester United in England doesn't matter where they fall in the spectrum. It's soccer, and Exactly. It, it, you know, when a soccer family dies, it is, it, it is incredibly heartbreaking. But especially in this way, in a plane crash. So once again, thoughts and prayers, and I mean that sincerely. Absolutely, thoughts and prayers to these players, and most importantly, at this point, their families. Yes,
2: no, you're absolutely right about that. I had mentioned it to you off the air. This kind of reminds me of the uh, the movie We Are Marshall as well, too, about how you know that the team. You know, was struck by lightning. The plane was struck by lightning as it was flying, and then it, you know everybody died on board. And they basically had to rebuild the Marshall football program. And if you've never seen the movie, please go do and see it. It's it's an incredible story, and definitely kind of a, a similar-ish situation as a whole. But we we wish all the family and friends uh, related to the team and the players, you know, the very best. And we will definitely be praying for them. Uh, one thing that I feel like uh, to kind of make a semi—it's hard to transition out of something like that—but um, one thing for people that maybe have been praying. I've been praying for Bob Bradley's job at, yes, at Swansea yes, City, yes. and they finally have at least one answered prayer.
0: They it, do. <laughs> as the swans. <laughs> wow.
2: It, ugh, am wow. I, that's basically the best way you can say it is wow. They they win a 5 4 thriller against Crystal Palace, who is no one to, to really say, oh, we beat Crystal Palace. But hey, they've got one more win than Swansea does. So that's that, they they were the underdogs. They won the game. That's all that matters. But it took until the 90th, the 91st, and the 93rd minute from Fernando Loriente, a man who we haven't heard from in a long time since he was back dominating La Liga, to score two goals and just. Wow, that's really well, all you can it, say. <laughs> here's
0: the crazy part is that Swansea had actually led 3-1 yeah. to one at one point. Then a matter of, I think, nine minutes or so, Leicester puts in three goals, another up four-three. Crystal, th- not Leicester. I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> Crystal Pellis puts in three goals to go up 4-3, to three, and here you're thinking, Bob Bradley just lost his job. Yeah. He just lost his job. And next thing you know, they <laughs> Swansea <laughs> comes back, sneaks in a couple of goals, wins the game 5-4. And the unfortunate thing for them, Baxter, is, is you like to see this? Of course, as an American, you like to see this be the game that turns the season around for Swansea. Yeah. Listen, it got them out of the bottom of the uh, <laughs> out of last place. They're
2: now in nineteenth place. Right.
0: And Woo! they're but they're only two points away from safety, which is which True. is a big deal. The tough thing is is you would like to see now maybe they go on and play Hall, but instead they got Tottenham this coming weekend.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's definitely going to put things in a little different uh, different light, especially with Tottenham. I mean, they just played Chelsea and they just they did lose two to one recently. So Chelsea, you know. Maintaining the full control of the Premier League, but this game was one-one at halftime. I think people don't realize the severity of how many goals were actually right, scored in the right. second half.
0: Well, and the p- tough thing is too. This is coming after that one-one draw with Everton, where Swansea looked like they were going to get their first win yeah. of the season, not, not, or uh, under Bob Bradley, and then Everton sneaks in a goal in the last in the in the dying minutes of that game. So for them to pull this one out. You do think, okay, maybe maybe they finally learned from that Everton game. Of course, maybe. the big thing is they still gave up four goals.
2: That's the hard part about it. And the fact is that they gave up a lead even more so, I think. like, I mean, you, you give like, sure. giving up four goals is one thing, but the fact that they were up 3-1 three three one, one. and you have to come all the way back and then finally win 5-4, uh, listen, folks, Swansea... If they get outside of the relegation zone, I think that's a success. That's basically what Bob Bradley was asked to do. So right. enjoy this game. Enjoy, Absolutely. Enjoy the win, but don't don't, don't overthink it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the tough thing is, too, is when you have a captain basically score an own goal in a game. You know, Ball deflects yep. off of Jack Cork's head, goes in the goal, and you're thinking, my goodness, what does Swansea have to do? What does Bob Bradley have to do? Uh, Bob, after the game, said, As far as we are concerned, it was a huge victory and one which the group thoroughly deserves. I've been on both sides of games like that, so yeah. I also understand how Palace feel. So, yes. <laughs> classy guy all around when Absolutely. it comes to... Uh, but
2: inside he's like, thank you, yeah, Oh, God. yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, what is this? Uh, if you go on BBC and look at their article there, you see this picture of Bob Bradley smiling, mouth <laughs> wide open. You never see Bob Bradley that excited
2: that's it's it's funny too I'm, I'm wondering what the uh the british media are, are thinking and saying now I'd be like oh the american finally won it but oh it took till the 91st oh, the 93rd course, minute. of course of course until if they beat tottenham this week now that would be a whole nother narrative. well
0: that's the key and that's what i was trying to say before if if they were playing perhaps a weaker team they can build more momentum however you beat tottenham and i tell you what then You've got all the bragging rights in the world. Exactly. Ed, they they did well against Arsenal in his first game with them, where they lost three mm-hmm. to two. Didn't do very well against Manchester United. So it is a Bob Bradley team. We've seen Bob Bradley what he what he did with the U.S. and lesser players. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go on maybe a, a four-game streak here. They've got some, after Tottenham, they got some lightweights to go up against. So this could be the part of the season that saves Bob Bradley his job and saves Swansea from going back. Exactly.
2: Why, exactly. I completely agree with you on that one. I'm curious to see what Bob Bradley's capable of doing. We know from the you know, United States' perspective what he's capable of doing with, some might argue, not a lot because he was yeah, able to take the right. U.S. That wasn't maybe that good of a team at the time. and. Made them at least challenge and won, well, a, won look a couple it, he, of things. He
0: went to the Confederations Cup final. Another game there where the U.S. was up two nothing. Yeah, uh, second half Brazil comes back and I put I, if I've got this all right in my head, I'm not looking at the computer. But of course they end up losing three to two. But anyway, second place in the Confederations Cup final. Ends up winning a couple of gold cups, mm-hmm. uh, that historic one over Mexico. or Not historic, but that historic goal by Benny Fellhaber. The reason I say it's historic is because it was <laughs> one of the best goals I've seen in my life. Yes, yes. So, yeah, he had a lot of great success. And, of course, topping a group in the World Cup for the first time as an American happen. team in the modern yeah, era. you exactly. know, a group that included England.
2: Mm. Well, that was... England in the World Cup is a whole other conversation, <laughs> I feel like. But you had one other thing you want to talk about briefly before we run to a break, Simon. Something to do with out West, MLS, maybe? Well,
0: well not really MLS. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not yet. Uh, and in fact, I would even say this team out in Arizona, it's their USL team. It's pretty crazy. They've gone through three name changes in 5 years but this looks to be the stable one their their new name is Phoenix Rising FC but here's the exciting part they're looking to build a 5000 seat soccer specific stadium uh, and that's what that's what you want to see in this country with these minor league teams is to have these dedicated yep. stadiums San Antonio has a stadium. Yes, their plans are to grow the stadium someday for MLS, but nevertheless, you got that 8,000-seat stadium in San Antonio. That looks beautiful. Looks like we're going to have the same thing in Arizona. I'm sure they have MLS aspirations, but let's face it, Arizona's going to be a tough place to sell to MLS with the heat factor there. But knowing that they have Frank Yallop as their head of soccer operations and the president of the club you got to feel good about the direction that this club's finally going in.
2: I'd agree. I completely agree with you on that one. All right, well, we need to run to our first break, but uh, when we come back, we will be joined by journalist and broadcaster Jonathan Tannewald. You've heard him, I'm sure, on SiriusXM and many other places. We will be back with more. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Stay tuned for more. Two up front, presented by Three Lines Pub, here from the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Culver,
0: And this is Simon Provan. Quick
2: reminder for you, that first segment was uh, the kick-around brought to you by Too Much Metal for One Hand. We were in more of a somber note, so we... Uh unfortunately neglected our sponsor sorry about that too much metal but yes too much metal for one hand is the official sponsor of the kick around. they were on uh last episode fred gillick was here to to introduce the new sponsorship which was a lot of fun so uh no disrespect to you fred but uh when you have a massive event like this take place it's hard to it's hard to do a normal intro to a show
0: fred's a cool dude he'll totally understand he's a rad dude he's a rad
2: dude we didn't even tell people where they can find us where they can listen to us we just neglected everything we just
0: yeah jumped into it you can
2: figure it out folks you can figure it out no we've got a guest now joining us uh, on the shop call in line it's Jonathan Tannenwald he covers the Philadelphia Union for the Philadelphia Inquirer he's been on Sirius XM FC he's been all over the place and he joins us now here on the shopfutsal.com call in line Jonathan welcome to two up front sir
1: it's great to be here. I'm envious of all those sponsors you have. That's a lot of money.
2: <laughs> well, we appreciate it, Jonathan. We are uh, we're excited to, to have you on the program. Let's, uh, let's start with the Philadelphia Union briefly, since that is your, your, your bread and butter, since you are based out east. Uh, if you had to give a letter grade to the Union this past season, they started hot, then they kind of cooled off a little bit, and then we all know how it ended for them. How would you rate the Union this last season?
1: I would probably give them a B minus, and I'm sure there are people who would in this town who are fans who would give them lower grades than that. Um, they made the playoffs for the first time in five years, and I know that it was only as the sixth seed and they backed in and they lost in the wild card game and so on and so forth. But when you haven't made the playoffs in five years in a town where... The sports populace is such that if you say the word playoffs, they pay attention, but if you say the word soccer, they don't.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> uh, that, that. Um, so, a B mine. I said also uh, on the positive side, obviously, Ernie Stewart had a tremendous impact. They opened a new training facility next to the stadium. They promoted two Academy products with fairly high prospects uh, for their future to the first team. Uh, they're headed in the right direction, that is clear.
2: When you when you look at this team as a whole, I think the name, at least for me, that jumps out a lot was Chris Pontius. I thought that he had a fantastic, a, a consistent campaign, I think, in 2016.
1: A healthy campaign.
2: A hel- exactly, which I think is even more important. We saw what he what he could do, and he was a part of DC United, of course, but with what you saw from him in 2016, is he going to be the, the main focal point of basically the entire team going forward in, in 2017?
1: I doubt it, um, because I don't think... In order to win an MLS, you're good enough if Chris Pontius is the focal point of your attack. They have to replace Tranquilo Barnetta. Um, There's some speculation that Alejandro Bedoya is going to be that replacement. I think he could be, but I also think that uh, it would not be the worst thing if the union went out and got a pure playmaker and let Alejandro Bedoya do some of the work behind him. Mm -hmm. I also think the union need to go out and get a better striker. I don't think that's any secret to anybody. C.J. Sapol can't lead the line anymore. Uh, you know, he's had now in his career a couple of births, bursts of very good play followed by long swaths of drought. And when it happens once, you wonder if you ought to change teams and try again. When it happens a second time, you think it might not be a coincidence. So it's twice now, and I think they need to go out and find somebody better.
0: Jonathan, this is Simon. Uh, speaking of Bedoya, you know, we're not in the trenches with the Union. In the national press, mixed reviews on his season. I'm wondering from somebody who's who's as As I said, basically, in the trenches every day with the union, if you can give us your review of of his play this season in m l s
1: it's hard to judge because he wasn't here for that long, uh, all things considered mm-hmm. but um, you know he's been a terrific addition in a lot of ways that i've seen in person he's you know he was brought in to in the short term fill the hole that Vincent Nogueira left when when he departed the team. Uh, because he had some health issues that he wanted to go home to France to deal with. And I thought Bedoya was a capable replacement, if not the perfect one, because Noguera's skill set, work ethic, and just sort of way of fitting in there relative to the rest of MLS was going to be always very hard to replace. And we know there's a long history of midseason signings in Major League Soccer doing okay at best in that (laughs) half season when they come in. And then doing very well uh, in the full year thereafter. So I sort of expect Alejandro Bedoya to be on the same track. Now, off the field, in the locker room and so forth, a great addition. No doubt about that. A leader, a guy who has raised the standards for his fellow players um, and and wants to be in America now and win in America and do so uh, in Philadelphia, which is relatively close to his surroundings where he grew up uh, and has lived a decent chunk of his life. He's based... I believe in Miami now, but he's got lots of family up this way, uh, New Jersey and in New England. So I think he is uh, hes pretty happy, and I think he's in a good place, and he's a place where he can lead, and he wants to do that. And uh, as we have all probably discussed amongst ourselves over the time, uh, when American players come back to lead in Major League Soccer, that becomes sort of a thing, doesn't it?
2: Indeed it does, yeah, we've we've noticed that for sure. Or is that
1: in the past now, shall we say?
2: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, Jonathan, I I want to change gears here with you now. Let's step outside of Philadelphia and look at the playoffs as a whole. Uh, It's no secret that the Seattle Sounders uh, won this last weekend uh, over the Colorado Rapids. They win 3-1 total on aggregate. They go to their first ever MLS Cup playoffs. I have my own views about this, and I'm curious to get your thoughts about it as well, too. Is Seattle going to the final instead of Colorado better for MLS? Um, no. Okay. Why do you say that? I'm, I'm curious. Seattle's in
1: the <laughs> final. <laughs> because, because the team that is by many metrics beyond simply attendance, the biggest in Major League Soccer is in the final.
2: hmm But they've never been, they've never been there though.
1: Well, yes. And we've seen what has happened with TV ratings and other things as a result of that.
2: True. That is true. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, no, look, it's, I think Seattle is there on merit. I think Seattle and I think whichever team wins tonight will be there on merit. I am a fan of playoffs. I, I, you know, I grew up a hockey fan and a baseball fan, and yes, it asks something different of you than success in the regular season. Yes, there are too many teams in the playoffs. That is true. Yes, the playoff format is imperfect, but I would not object to Major League Soccer nonetheless sticking with it for five or ten years instead of changing it every three so that people get used to the thing
0: um hey hey, jonathan if if we had a sound effect that was ding 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 we'd be we'd be plugging away at those because i (laughs) there we go i agree with every single point you've said i've made those arguments on the show as well i I don't think there's anything wrong with with having playoffs i mean everybody likes to cite how you know no other country does that but yet the country just below us that everybody thinks that we need to catch up to which which we should mexico has a playoff system
1: yes of course and 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 by the way, the MLS playoffs this year have been fantastic.
0: Absolutely, and I think we're going to see a great game. I mean, we already oh. saw first we we saw a fantastic game between Toronto and Montreal in the first leg. I can't wait for the second leg.
1: Oh, good! It's going to be terrific. I wish I could go. I'm going to the final. Uh, I'm talking myself into that. As, as, <laughs> it's not going to be cheap, unfortunately, because I'm going to have to buy an airfare on 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 a week's notice or whatever it is.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But I'm I'm excited. Um, I just think whether it's in Seattle or Toronto, it's going to be a fantastic occasion. I don't mind the cold weather. You all are in Milwaukee. I'm sure you don't either. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yep. right. It's
2: beautiful. It's 45 and sunny here today, so we don't know what cold weather you're talking about.
1: Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, well, you know, and and consider that this final is going to have Jordan Morris and Nicholas Ladero on one side mm-hmm. and either Didier Drogba and Ignacio Piatti On the other, or Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore and Sebastian Javinko, and for those of us who get to be neutral observers, and I would imagine for the folks at Fox
0: as well, wouldn't it be nice to have Morris Altidore and Bradley in the championship game of American soccer? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, fantastic point. Because yeah, it is. We keep talking about the development of the American player, and and what better showcase than an MLS Cup final? And and these three players specifically who are in the spotlight so much.
2: Exactly, yeah. Jordan Morris, who kind of has been that that burst onto the scene over the last year and a half, and then, of course, the household names like Altidore and Bradley as well. And
1: and in the conversation we were having a minute ago about what exactly MLS is and what good it serves to the American player, whether or not that player is good enough to play in Europe, whether they want to be here and lead, what have Altidore and and Bradley done in Toronto? And granted, Altidore has been hurt a little bit, but they have led. Mm Mm-hmm. Morris here makes the decision to stay in Seattle to stay home, play in Seattle. Um, whether or not he knew at the time he was sacrificing playing in the Copa America Centenario, we will never know. Uh, but look at what he's done this year. Uh, yeah. And look, I voted for Keegan Rosenberry as Rookie of the Year because he played every minute of every game in the regular season. And that was what the balloting is based on. Makes sense. If the balloting was based on the entirety of the year, the playoffs included, I would vote for Morris without hesitation. Um and and I just I
0: love that goal he scored on Sunday. I yes, really do. Especially considering he was playing basically with the flu on Sunday and to see him come out and score that goal, yeah, you know, risk, flu game risk his body like he did. Um, that that that's what you want to see from your from your players. Now you don't want to see him going down with an ACL tear obviously, but for the fact that as a rookie he's playing at this level and he's he's playing not only intelligent soccer, but as I said, almost sacrificial soccer, if you want to call it that. That's what you want to see from your your, your young guys. I,
1: I've I've I, I said this on Sunday um, and got a little rise out of some folks, which was part of the intent. I, <laughs> I
2: feel like you're uh, good at that.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you're from Philly, of course, right? <laughs> I'm, not
1: actually, I'm not actually from Philadelphia, believe it or not. I'm oh. from DC. Oh. I've lived here for about uh, 14 years now. Okay. Okay. Eastbridge.
0: Good to know. Um
1: skill is wonderful the development of skill is wonderful uh grit and hustle and i don't give a damn i'm going to score this goal mentality sort of thing are also good yeah and if if we can if we can grow the former without sacrificing the latter i think that would be a good thing for american soccer that's right. just my
2: no, I completely agree, Jonathan. Well, that's going to be a good place for us to wrap things up. We appreciate you joining us on uh, the shopfutsal.com. Call in line. Uh, where can people find your, your work and find you on social media as well, Jonathan? Well, on
1: every, on every other show on the Sports podcasting Network, I think this is the only one I had not been on yet.
2: Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> now you can cross off your bingo card.
1: Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Goalkeeper. You can find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash uh, and And I generally do respond to questions whether or not I should.
2: <laughs> love it i love it well jonathan it's been a pleasure so let's do this again sometime soon all right
1: absolutely gentlemen
2: all right thanks again we're gonna run to another break when we come back the u20s they're out of the U- women's world cup simon's got a couple of thoughts about that and of course we'll dive into some other fun things you're listening to two up front presented by three lines Pub. back right after this Colburn,
0: and this is Simon Provan,
2: and this is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. We just had Jonathan Tannewald on the call-in line. Great interview with him. A guy that uh, has been around the soccer world and knows a thing or two, and definitely showcased his knowledge there with us as well, Simon. Yeah,
0: I, I, I loved his uh, his fort. How do you say that fort right way? Of I can't English today, Baxter. You're the actor too. You're supposed I know. to be good well. With no, words. but see, that's usually somebody gives me a script, oh. so the words are there for me. <laughs> No, I, I just – his frankness. I loved his frankness because yeah. uh, I think we come from the same milk in that respect. I you think know?
2: so. When he was saying the things about the playoffs, <laughs> you're like, yes, yes, more of this. Oh, uh, it was too funny! All right. But
0: I also love it when, like, when we had Matt Doyle on. And exactly, we had some disagreements there, and, and, and that's what drives the soccer conversation this, in this country. It
2: needs to, because if we all agreed about the same thing, nothing would ever get done.
0: Well, speaking of the same thing, we, you had talked about the kick around being sponsored by too much metal. I, I want to yes. elaborate on that a Please little bit do. because, uh, you know, it's it's the first show after making the announcement. Baxter, we got to make sure that people know about Too Much Metal, so I want I want people to know that Too Much Metal showroom features unique t-shirts and apparel like the 414 stuff you see around town, and the Cooler by the Lake hoodies. Anytime you go to a festival in Milwaukee, you'll see those. Too Much Metal, by the way, is an independent source of rad for smart people seeking smart t-shirts. So, if you want to find out more about Too Much Metal, you can find them on Facebook, or of course, at too TooMuchMetal.com.
2: Alright, let's take a look at the beautiful game through the eyes of the U-20s. Uh, they just found themselves out of the Women's Cup. They will play in the third place game.
0: Actually, I do want to... I've got some breaking news, oh, by the way, out do. of NWSL. And you know I want to talk about the U-20s, but before I forget about this, the dash-traded defender, Alicia Chapman, to, of course, the Boston Breakers. Of course they did.
2: No, there's not going to be any players left in NWSL once Boston's done. They're just gonna, it's going <laughs> it's it's to right, be Boston right. breakers A and Boston breakers B, and they're just going to play each other 20 times and then call it a year.
0: Right. So Alicia Chapman is a uh, defender as well for the Canadian national team. So good move again by Boston.
2: They had to shore up the defense. They cut they a did. lot. They cut a yeah. lot of players. Yep. They were the. They conceded the most goals in 2016. So. By the way, you right know how I found this out? I, I, I saw Jonathan
0: out? had tweeted this right Thank before <laughs> he came on the show.
2: Thank you, Jonathan. We appreciate you if you're still listening. <laughs> I'm
0: looking to see if if Houston got anything in return, real quick, as I as I pull this Is up. It like
2: the Allie Krieger deal, where they got a stick of gum and a matchstick, maybe. It's ridiculous. That's
0: well, either way. Uh, either way. I, I'll find a little bit later, but do you know that the Houston, Houston Dash made a deal with the Boston Breakers, Boston getting Alicia Chapman?
2: Hmm. We'll have to see. I'm curious. Curious, curious. Well, a couple of other ladies that are going to find themselves in the NWSL over the next couple of years are the gals that play for the U.S. women's U-20s. Uh, they lose 2-1 to to North Korea. For those of you that don't follow the soccer world, you're like, North Korea? How did we lose to North Korea? Simon, the North Korean women have been on a surge the last several months. They have. I, months. I, I can't
0: remember the last youth tournament. Uh, maybe was the U. it was either the U-17s or the U-23s. But either way, I, they went and won that, while they're going to be in another final because the U.S. lost to North Korea 2-1. to one. Now, again, looking at this from the outside, U.S. makes it to a semifinal in the U-20 Women's World Cup. That's Ma- Mallory Pugh doing her thing, trying to lead this team. What's disconcerting, however, Baxter... In the quarterfinal against Mexico, which the U.S. won 2-1. to one. That was I don't know. <laughs> They needed some heroics, some yes. last-minute heroics in that game. They tried to have some last-minute hero- heroics in this one as well, but the disconcerting thing is how much they are getting outshot. Mm. Uh, they were outshot in that Mexico game 15-4. to four <laughs> Against North Korea... I think they had one shot on goal, and yeah. thankfully it went in. They had two, two shots yeah, on were, goal. I've
2: got it in front of me. They were outshot twenty-five to seven. Seven of uh, seven total shots on target for North Korea. Two total for the United States.
0: And listen, it was it was because of an error in North Korea's backline, uh, an errant clearance, you could say. In which Natalie Jacobs for the U.S. jumped on to score in the 89th minute to tie this game up one to one. But North Korea comes out in extra time and puts a goal in the 91st minute. Just
2: bang right away. And right. it's it's interesting too. You look at the stat line. You know, it was very even across the board and everything else. You know, corner kicks nine to eight U.S. fouls fifteen to twelve. Both were offsides twice. So in that regards, it was close. But yeah, the U.S. giving up a penalty kick in the 51st minute and then waiting until the 89th minute to score and then going through two overtimes not being able to tie it up again or even take the lead is is concerning. It really is.
0: Well, and we'll see if history repeats itself. North Korea beat the USA in 2014 as well, but that was in the quarterfinals. Yeah. North Korea went on to lose to Nigeria 6-2, and that game, the, that U.S.-North Korea game, was in a shootout. But, you know, U.S. is going to be in that third-place game against Japan, so we'll have another U.S.-Japan game. France, who was in the U.S.'s group, they, they were second in the group. They end up going on the beat France, so we'll have a France North Korea final for this I think U.S. U twenty one. So, of course, the big concern is we were talking about this a little bit beforehand: is the U.S. losing traction? Are they depending too much on athleticism and that's it, and not building enough skill? Has the rest of the world? Caught up to the U.S. Is the U.S. doing things wrong, or is it just a matter that the rest of the world is figuring out what the U.S. has been doing and have been applying that themselves?
2: Mm-hmm. And I, I, we were tapping this conversation off the air as well, too. I I, I brought up the, the the devil's advocate question: Are we at a point now with the United States women's program? I feel like at least men's is a whole other conversation, but right, the women's right. program: Are we expected as the United States women to just win everything?
0: Well, I I actually don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah, I would agree. The U.S. should be winning everything. I mean, having a few blips here or there is fine. I get that. But when you're looking at this past year, Mm -hmm. this has been a bad, bad, bad year. Yeah. And you're seeing the rest of the world not only catch up with the senior team, but with the youth teams as well. And that's what scares me. Is 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 it it
2: the coaching? Is it the player selection? that's that's I that's wish I always, had the answer for you that's always the hard question I guess to, to really dive into it because so many people like to you know you know blame the coach I guess sometimes It'd be like well they put the wrong people on the field it's like well, regardless I feel like at the national level, who you're putting on the field—if you are considered to be one of the best twenty, whatever, three players or eighteen players, depending on the tournament—you're considered to be pretty darn good. If you're on that field, you're expected to perform at a high level, and if you're not, that reflects, I think, badly on you as a player as well, too. Regardless, absolutely, right? You know, regardless, sometimes of where you are. I mean, I, I get the whole playing in position and sometimes of that, but. If you're considered to be one of the best players in your entire country and you're on that field and you don't perform, I feel like that's a lot on you as a player.
0: Well, with this team specifically, you saw them dominated by France, even though that game ended in a draw. You saw them dominated by Mexico, even though that game ended in a victory. But now you saw them dominated by North Korea losing. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of the defense isn't strong enough right now and the offense has no power which is surprising when you do think of players like Natalie Jacobs and Mallory Pugh being yep. on this team as far as offensively. So I, I so, will
2: say, too, I, I wonder, though, if, the, if we're suffering from the Mal-Pugh effect because of the player she has around her at the national team, at the senior national team level, because if you have a young gun flying through the ranks and then you suddenly throw them with an Alex Morgan or a Carly Lloyd or a you know, Megan Rapino feeding you the ball— I feel like if if you've got the skill set, you're gonna do even better than you're you know you're expected to do. But when you come down to your your own quote unquote level, I don't know maybe how good that actually Mal Pugh actually is.
0: Well, see, with my opinion on that, Baxter is with the setup of the U.S. Women's program, mm-hmm. who has always had very strong youth teams. Yeah it it should be the opposite that Mallory Pugh coming down and playing with the U-20s
2: should make everybody else should,
0: better. Be, it should make everybody better, make the entire team yep. better and just add that extra firepower that, yep. you know, that team should be looking at the U.S. going, oh my goodness, now they have Mallory Pugh added to this? Mm-hmm. How how the heck are we going to beat them? Exactly. But there's nobody that's afraid to play the U.S. anymore.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think every there, used to, there was a time even a year or two ago where you would play the United States it would be on your schedule and you could see the general fear or the general just we don't know if we can win this game from the other team or from the opposing manager. Now they come in every match, you know, smiles on their face, and like, we more than likely are going to win this game. Whether that's the the players, the the new wave coming in and out of the U.S. that people aren't maybe as intimidated anymore, or maybe just the skill set just isn't as good as some people think it is. Well, you certainly
0: hope at the senior level, we've seen Jill Ellis bring in now a lot of NWSL players, Lynn Williams, Crystal Dunn, uh, even Jessica McDonald excuse me you see you see these players so you hope that with the nwsl that at least will will catch some of these players up when they get to that age level Mm -hmm. and that we start to see that work with the senior women's national team and we don't know because everything they've played so far is friendlies with all these nwsl players
2: yeah i'm curious to know how they would do in a in a even a small tournament
0: and last thing i want to say baxter is boy north korea when does that start trans is it now are they gonna be like Mexico where they do so well with the youth teams but then they get to the mm-hmm. World Cup and they're constantly getting knocked out of the second round? Or is this gonna be where we actually end up seeing the North Korean women's team, senior team, end up being the dominant nation, yep. which I gotta say that would surprise the heck out of a lot of people, including I myself.
2: So. I think because we know Japan and China are both very talented teams in that Asia Oceanic region, so who knows? It's it's there's this changing of the guard every couple of years. There's always that one team that kind of comes out of nowhere and people are like, "Huh, we'll have to well, see."
0: And that's the big difference between the men's game and the women's game. Exactly. You know, the men's men's game you're going to, always going to have Germany, you're going to have Brazil, etc, you know, England, etc. Yep. But the women's team, it it's still evolving.
2: You're right. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dive into the MLS news. That's going on. Jermaine Jones wants to be a DP. Minnesota's got a head coach And, of course, we'll talk the playoffs just a little bit, of course, because Simon likes to say, Playoffs? We'll be back with more. It's 2 Up Front presented by 3 Lions Pub. Tensionary Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pop. I'm Baxter Colburn,
0: and this is Simon Provan. All right,
2: Simon Provan, balloons, woo! Minnesota United, there, hey, they've got themselves a coach.
0: They sure do, and I think it's a smart one, Baxter. Do you? This was announced just uh, about an hour and a half ago, actually. Yeah. Adrian Heath of the formerly of the Orlando City Soccer Club is going to be the first coach. And the MLS level for Minnesota United FC.
2: That's an interesting move because he did okay with Orlando, was an expansion team.
0: He, well, and that's just it. That was one of the things Manny Lagos, the general manager of the team, who, by the way, my brother played with and what against. Up, Manny? Uh, anyways, he served, yeah, as, as you said, he was with Orlando from 2008 up until last July. Yeah. He was with them when they were in Austin, Texas, and they moved to Florida. Obviously, he was with them when they transitioned from the USL into MLS. So that's one of the reasons Lagos said, we want him here. During the press conference, Heath had mentioned he believes about soccer in this country, that he apparently had some offers over in England, but he wanted to stay in the US. Whether that's true or not, we'll never know. Of
2: course, he had some offers. in, right.
0: <laughs> but uh, So do I, okay. You know, given all the right answers at the press conference, but, but his biggest thing was, he's been there with an expansion team. He did well in his first year yeah. with Orlando while they were in MLS. He obviously did fantastic when they were in the USL. Yeah. One of the things that he also talked about is respecting Minnesota's history. You had the Minnesota Kicks and the NASL. Then, of course, you had the Minnesota Thunder and the Minnesota Stars and the minor leagues and Minnesota United mm-hmm. now bumping up. Uh, so I, I think it makes a lot of sense to bring somebody like Adrian Heath on, who's dealt with expansion. And who knows MLS?
2: Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that one. I, I think it's it's a good move overall. Um, I don't know a lot about Adrian Heath's past. I mean, just kind of listening, of course, from you personally, I haven't followed his career very closely. I will be curious to see, though, because he didn't do exceptionally well in MLS as the head coach for Orlando, I'm curious to see, you know, take two, basically, with another expansion team.
0: Well, I, if anything, you use him as somebody to get the club off its feet.
2: And that's what I think they're going to do. I don't think he's going to be their tenured manager for the next ten years. I, I would be surprised by that. Unless, of course, Maybe. you
0: know, if he starts winning... Yeah. Surprises the heck out of people. Exactly.
2: That is that is very true. I mean, I don't know how many people potentially thought that Seattle would be with their head coach that they have currently, especially with how well Ziggy Smith had been doing for so many years. And like, hey, Ziggy's going to take us to the promised land for many, many years. And now, change of the guard. All, right. I mean, how many teams? You know, Peter, Not I mean, not Peter Vermees, but uh, Dom Kinnear down in Houston for as long as he was there, and then, you know, the moving and shaking. Well,
0: but keep in mind with Dom, he was in San Jose w- yep. with the original earthquakes. Not, well, with the original MLS earthquakes, I yes. should say. Then they moved to Houston, which is why he moved with Houston, yep. won a couple of championships with them. Yeah. Got tired of being there, wanted to go back to the West Coast. Yeah, it and, makes uh,
2: sense. Bruce Arena when he was with DC United back that's right. in the day. I mean, I mean, DC was winning all those games, and I'm sure people were all like... All those trophies. Yeah, we've got oh, we've got Bruce, we're going to be good, and then, you know, history happens, and right I, and. All over the place Well
0: it, I, I do have to say I think it's really cool That Minnesota gets To keep their logo That MLS you're hasn't come big, in And a said a advocate for Well that. it, I think it actually great. looks like And I will use the word football It looks like a football logo and I, agree. I love it
2: It looks like a logo You would see in the Premier League Or like right. at least The second division It's like oh look That's a true soccer it's club It's no
0: mystery Baxter That when you look at this logo And you find out That Swansea and Minnesota United Are brother and sister clubs Oh
2: interesting is. Bob Bradley from Minnesota United <laughs> In a year or two, maybe that'll be the change. I don't know if that'll actually. I don't
0: know, but I'm excited. You know, to have another club here in the Midwest. Yeah. I got I got relatives in the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. which means I'll be going to some of these oh, games. yeah, they're gonna have a beautiful new stadium. Uh, it's it's good. It's good to have another Midwest team.
2: I agree. Corey Plath has been on the show before as a guest host. Um, has actually been a, U- a Minnesota United fan for many many years back when they were in the NASL, uh, and he's genuinely excited. He's like, I am going to go to these games when I'm home. He's like, I'm thrilled that they're in MLS. Is like. I'm not thrilled that they're in the Western Conference...
0: (laughs) But <laughs> well you know you're on the west side of the Mississippi River that's exactly, what happens. Exactly. well listen Justin Davis has been signed as a uh, yep. MLS player for them that was that, that was announced earlier this month yep. but I did post that interview we did with Justin who was on the show earlier yeah. uh, so if you want to check out that interview go to our Facebook page and, mm-hmm. and he's click on the link be joining
2: there. us again here in the next couple of weeks as well to uh, chat with him briefly this morning and he was like give me a couple of weeks to get all the pieces together here with Minnesota United and we'll uh, we'll let you we'll hopefully have him back on again to, to visit with him um, your thoughts briefly, Peter Vermees, signing a contract extension through 2019?
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, look, I think Peter's a great coach. He expects a lot from his players. He's developed players quite well. I just don't know if he's the guy for sporting anymore. I mean, they've they've been up and down now for the past couple of seasons. They've yeah. been disappointingly up and down. So they've
2: made the playoffs they consistently. Have, they have. But they haven't done much in the playoffs yeah, since no, they won mls exactly a couple, couple years ago yep, they have yep. not lived up to their hype with the national team players on their team you'd expect better from them i think personally
0: i i couldn't agree more yeah
2: uh i i do want to talk briefly about jermaine jones because he after sunday after the seattle sounders won one one zero in colorado Three-one uh, total on aggregate. Jermaine Jones announced after the game. He said, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Colorado. Thanks. It's been fun. I'm gonna play the MLS free agent market, which is funny to say." Well, what
0: what he meant by that was not just MLS. He's talking yes. he's talking worldwide. He's talking in Europe he, and Mexico right. as well. He wants yep. to stay in MLS, right? But if he does, he wants to be a DP.
2: Yes, which I think is ridiculous. He's not worth DP money
0: anymore. I don't know if I'd say it's ridiculous if if we're looking at the actual money if we're talking dp minimum 600,000 mm-hmm. dollars I could he see him making an argument for he that He doesn't
2: want that though. He wants he, of course he, wa- no. he wants the 3. Point, he wants the 3.05 million he made in New England.
0: Which then you're talking no. Yeah. Cuz he was a D- You got to stay Q. healthy. To earn, to to command that kind of money You, yes. know, you have to stay healthy first he of all
2: He played in nine games The only reason I know about this is I wrote an article this morning for Playing for 90 about this Voicing my displeasure He he was suspended for the first six games of the season And then he missed four months with a knee injury Which you can't blame him too much for You know, Injuries happen But he played in nine total games I, I I compared him. Do you know who Tony Robbins is, the motivational speaker? Yes, yes. I compared him to Tony Robbins this morning. I said, because I'm like, if you need someone that will come into your locker room and fire your team up for a season, Jermaine Jones is the perfect guy. So if you're willing to pay him lots of money just to inspire your team, because he did that with New England, he did that with Colorado... Then sure, he's worth every he's worth every penny.
0: And Tony Robbins, you got to pay like five thousand dollars to go to his week long camp.
2: Exactly, exactly. So maybe you know a little bit more expensive. Of course, maybe (laughs) people would take Tony Robbins. He's in fantastic shape. But if you're looking for a player that's going to actually do something on the field, I think he's past that now. He's 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 an icon. So if Minnesota or Atlanta wants to announce him maybe as a new signing,
0: well, but can you can you honestly sit here and say that he doesn't affect the game?
2: I think he does to an extent, but not, of course, nearly where he used to be. Even back in 2014 in the World Cup year, I think he was... What he did when he came to New England, I've never seen from him since that time. Because I think he... Of course, he was healthy, which, of course, makes a difference, but... The way that he commanded the field when he was on the field for the Revolution, I think, is totally different than the, the nine games that he did with Colorado. Well,
0: and that's what it comes down to for me, is the nine games. Yeah. You, you actually can hold it against him that he was injured when he's talking about looking for millions of dollars. Yes. You can hold that against him because he's out of contract, and now you can say to him, look, if you want to play with us, great, but we're, we we're can't not. take a chance to pay you millions of dollars exactly. just to see you go down again.
2: Do I think a club is desperate enough to do that? Yes, I think there's at least a handful of MLS clubs that are looking at Jermaine Jones. Maybe even Chicago sitting there going, well, we got screwed on him last time. Maybe we can get him the normal way this time.
0: Speaking of Chicago, Baxter. Schweinstagger. yeah, very likely actually coming to MLS. I was surprised when I heard that one of his friends came out and said you can expect this deal to be done. Hmm. It would be good for Chicago to to have a name like that. You know, Schweinsteiger. I'm not sure how old he is. 33, I think. Is that right? So he's, he's 30, not
2: 32, 33. I forget which one it is, but it's so, one of those two. You
0: know, so so not over the hill when it comes to soccer. Yeah,
2: a couple um, of good years left in him.
0: You know, we've seen a lot of DPS retire this season, and I for one am happy to see a lot of these older yeah. <laughs> guys.
2: Frankie. Steve.
0: Yeah, Frank who played three quarters of a season, but got paid for two. Uh, anyways, I think this would be a great move for Chicago. They need to build up that midfield, and <laughs> why not have somebody like Schweinstagger exactly. to help lead that way?
2: Exactly. I do find it interesting going to Atlanta. There's three names tied with Atlanta United right now. Robbie Keane is one of them, which I think is interesting. Andres Guardado, which we, we know has been a, a talk for a while. There's been interest mutually back and forth and then i found this one out this morning it's been of course apparently been known for a while but nick romando as well
0: yeah i read about that one uh i did not realize that a couple of days ago
2: until this morning when i was taking a look at it but if you add those three players to your your team that's that's big right away romando won't be a dp salary you know robbie Keane would probably be a dp salary guardado would want dp money and then you've already got kenwin jones on your team so there's your three dps boom 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 that's still not a bad core to start with they're, no, a li- they're all agree. a little old right. though, right. still, in my opinion. I think if you, I think Atlanta or Minnesota, Atlanta especially, has an opportunity to sign a younger DP like a Giovinco somewhere out there to to really rejuvenize their team. You can't continue to build your teams like nycfc did with three over the hill veterans that gave you a couple of great moments over two years it's just right, not the way you're right. gonna, You're not going to be successful in well, this league and,
0: and part of it is is atlanta has sold a massive amount of tickets already season tickets yeah they don't need to sign these older guys no to get people, people in the door the come. people are already going there so i agree with you baxter go for somebody younger i yeah. agree
2: I I do find it interesting, too, from D.C. United. They signed uh, Luciano Acosta on a permanent transfer from Boca Juniors after he had a terrific one-year loan with the
0: team. Yeah, a great move there. That's a
2: huge move. I think that's a great move for D.C. United. We saw what he could do on the field, and Patrick Mullins kind of had a bit of a resurgence as well, too, which was great. DC United is going to be a dangerous team again next year. I think that they've got the makings for it. Um, they will not have Alvaro Salvario anymore. He announced that he will be not returning to DC United.
0: Yeah, I don't I not, not think he was yeah, yeah, I don't think he was playing that much as the season came to an end if I remember correctly. You can correct me if I'm wrong anybody who's listening to the show, but I don't remember him playing that much actually. So, that's not yeah, that's not really a loss at all in my mind for yeah. for DC. It's not
2: it wasn't the the RSL Sabrio. That was a whole another monster. He was fantastic a couple of seasons ago, but when he came to DC United he had a couple of little moments. He and Espindola would combine and be like, "Wow, the you know the the old golden boys right. are back yep. in town." Yep. Uh, but it was never anything consistent. It, re- it just really wasn't. Uh, I am, it's interesting too. I'd like to know your thoughts because we've talked about Kubo Torres on the on the show a couple of times. Uh, he's apparently expressed interest that he wants to rejoin the Houston Dynamo.
0: Well, he played w- with uh, Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul, but he did spend some time with Chivas USA yep. when Wilmer. Um, how do you say his last name? I'm blanking right now. Which one? Gabara? Wilmar, the the, the new coach for uh, for oh, Houston? I don't remember. I, I could look it up. I think, anyway.
2: I think that's yes. I think so. Oh boy, we'll say yes.
0: I, I'm embarrassing Let's myself today. Well, it's that's not, not unusual. It's not
2: in front of me, so I don't I don't know off the top of my head. I don't really follow the Dynamo very closely.
0: <laughs> uh, anyways, they they were together in L.A. at Chivas USA. Mm-hmm. So in that respect. Maybe we see more of Torres with a coach that he's comfortable with. Yeah. But again, I don't think he's worth the DP money that it may take to bring him over to Houston. Yes. Um, Or bring him back to Houston.
2: Briefly, two other people I was curious to get your thoughts about if they would do well in MLS slash be good for the league. Uh, Sammy Kadira uh, from Juventus and Jack Wilshire are both rumored to be being in conversation with the New York clubs and the Galaxy, of course, because who else
0: You know, well, it is interesting because obviously a lot has opened up for the Galaxy with Keane yeah. leaving, with Gerard leaving. You They're know, Like, you we have money to spend. Exactly. We have BB
2: spots to fill. Let's bring it. I think Kadir would be fun. I mean, Jack Wilshire, if he can stay healthy, of course. Well, that's the big thing for Wilshire. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's the big thing. But uh, a lot of excitement this MLS offseason is going to be fun regardless, uh, so we'll definitely keep you posted on that. We're going to take one more final break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll wrap things up, do an I Believe. And, uh, Cabrera
0: By the way. Wilmer Cabrera. Cabrera. I was close. Makes so much sense
2: now. All right, you are listening to Two Upfront, presented by Three Lines Pop. Back right after this. Inside the Attention Air Media Studios, it's Two Up Front, presented by our Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And
0: this is Simon Provan. All
2: right, Simon Provan. We've had a great show uh, for our listeners today. We had the opportunity to speak with Jonathan Tannewald earlier in the program. Uh, from the, you know, He's the, at the goalkeeper on Twitter, uh, Philadelphia Inquirer, XM. He's been everywhere, apparently.
0: Yeah, fun conversation with Jonathan.
2: Yeah, so go back and check that out earlier. If you ever do miss any of our live shows, you can go and find them on demand by going to our website, uh, www.2upfrontsoccer.com. And of course, you can listen to us live, which we prefer Tuesdays and Thursdays, twelve to one p.m. Central Time, live on Spreaker.com as well.
0: Yeah, you can also find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Twitter at Two Upfront Soccer. You can also find him at Baxter Colburn, at me at Simon Provan.
2: All right, Simon, uh, let's briefly talk about the the MLS Championship. Wow, the MLS Conference Championship game in the Eastern Conference taking place tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, 3-2 is the aggregate right now. Montreal, of course, on top, but Toronto with two very big away goals.
2: In quick succession, too.
0: Yeah, it looked like Montreal was uh, going to finish out this game with a massive lead, but then <laughs> Toronto surprised the heck out of them.
2: I think Toronto's going to win.
0: I, I, do, r- too. I, really I do. do, too. I really yeah. do. I too. I
2: really do. I don't think Montreal has enough left in the tank. You talk about, you know those away goals for, for TFC and what that means to them, and then getting to go home in front of a home crowd and just, they've been dominant basically all season.
0: What what does it say, though, Baxter, that this game was supposed to happen on Sunday and it couldn't because of the Grey Cup and they had to clean up the field first? I mean, what What is, you know, you see shows, all this... Listen, he's, It shows I, that Canada
2: cares more about American, well, Canadian football than but, soccer. But part of
0: that is crazy because the... First game in the series, Montreal Toronto FC, yeah. broke r- viewing records yep. in Canada. It's frustrating, you know, it's it's frustrating when a couple of years ago you see Seattle taking on the Alley Galaxy in the MLS MLS Cup playoffs, mm-hmm. and they're playing on a field with football lines still on it.
2: Yeah, well, that's New England every year. They're <laughs> 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 speaking to a Revolution fan that basically should be a Patriots fan because those lines are more visible than right. the soccer line. And <laughs>
0: lines. listen, I know ultimately it does go to show that MLS has a long way to go, all right, so I'm not going to be sitting here being a crybaby, but... You know, that stadium was originally built for Toronto FC. Then we know they expanded it because of the Toronto Argonauts wanting to play there as well. But let's be honest, it, it still is incredibly disappointing that even at your, what was supposed to be your own stadium, your second fiddle, when you're talking about an Easter Conference championship game.
2: This is huge. This is massive in in Canada. This is Canadian history. Because this is the first is. time that yeah. either that any Canadian team, I mean, Vancouver obviously is a Canadian team. Let's not forget about them, too. Um, it's going to have the opportunity to, to, number one, make it this far in the playoffs, but also then go to an MLS Cup as well. This is historic, and I do find it a bit saddening that they had to, to wait. They were told, hang on, you guys don't play, you, you know, we're going to do a football game instead with... More people than American football, and our goalposts in the wrong spot on the field. <laughs> and it's just weird to watch. Yes, it really yes, is. Yes. I always feel like someone's going to catch a pass and run straight into the goalpost, like because it's like right in the middle of the field, like in the end zone. I'm like that just just doesn't seem like a good play
0: right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that, Maybe that's me personally. I well, don't
0: know. Well, he, here here's what I'll say actually about the game. All right, it's you're, I think you're going to still see Toronto come out with their three five two, with of course Eltdor and Javinko yep. up on top. You're going to see Montreal with that 4-1, 4-1. Of course, Donadel in the middle, Piotti out on the left. Sometimes he moves to the center. Uh, Whether we see Mancuso or Drogba top, I still think we see Drogba come in later in this game because they've been doing great with Mancuso up top for them. But I think we're going to see another explosive game. One of the things that I've been talking about is I'm not a fan of the lower seed hosting. Yeah. Because a lot of times what you see happen is they go ahead, and then when they get to the second game, they just park the bus, and it becomes incredibly boring. Now, we didn't necessarily see that in the Seattle-Colorado game, but again, that was Colorado on the field, so that's a (laughs) big (laughs) difference there. But what's exciting about this is is because Toronto is only one goal away from winning the series with their away goals you yeah. know they win this game 1-0 they're, they're through because because of that you're going to see Toronto come out explosively mm-hmm. and I think Montreal knows they don't have the back line yeah they got some good players with Camara and Cabrera uh, Simon Oyongo but uh, they're not strong enough to hold up against the barrage for ninety minutes. So I, I, I think agree. we're going to see a very exciting, offensively minded game.
2: And Josie Altador finds a way to get on the score sheet again. I think he's just he's feeling it right now, and I think that's what you want. The playoffs are the the runs made by teams are are made because of players getting hot at the right times. It's say what you will about Josie. The entire rest of the MLS season. He's currently hot in TFC standards, and I think he's going to show up again.
0: Well, and add to this now, the U.S. national team coach Bruce Arena, yeah. will be there. Oh, right. So now I did Josie, that. yeah. So Josie know. and Bradley are going to have that extra set of eyes looking at them. You hope that pressure works well for them. I hope. But so. they've got that. They've got that extra motivation now to show Bruce Arena that you need to keep calling me up.
2: Yes, I completely agree. All right, let's move uh, to our final segment of the show. <laughs> It is our I Believe segment where both Simon and I offer something we believe will take place in the soccer world. Sometimes we are sentimental. Sometimes we're funny. Sometimes we just speak the truth. Simon, do you want to go first or second?
0: I'll go first, Baxter. Okay, go I, I am going to uh, make it sentimental. That's fine. Um, and I mean that in a good way. But once again, just I want to. I love you, too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Shopee Quinns, which we started talking about at yep. the start of the show, had that uh, tragic plane crash. And it's, it's, if there's one positive thing out of it, it's great to see the soccer community come together, set aside any differences that they have with anyone, at least for 24 hours, and, and come together. So um, I do believe that, obviously, the, the, the day goes on. Um, but I believe I'll continue to pray yeah. for these. And, and again, I mean that sincerely. Look, I'm a man of faith. Mm-hmm. We both uh, are. You know, we both are. And when I tell someone I'm praying for you, I mean it. Yeah. You know, I completely mean it. So not so much an I believe as just one last, hey, my heart goes out to you.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I completely uh, agree with you on that one. I'm, I, will, I will use my I believe to not only echo your sentiment, but also just kind of reiterate how, how fast life can go you know simple as that i mean i, yeah. I mean my yeah. my son is 2 weeks old today and it's just kind of crazy to look at him and then realize it's like i i have a kid now like i've blinked i feel like and my life has moved so fast so uh, enjoy the time you have with your loved ones. Tell them you love them, and uh, because you never know, unfortunately.
0: You know, on that note, Baxter, this just hit me as you were saying that it is Giving Tuesday today. It so is. you know, it's it's a great day to give a little bit of extra to your favorite charity. Yeah. You know, maybe give a little extra to whatever cancer charity you support, or you know, homeless charity you support, whatever it may be. It's Giving Tuesday. Give a little bit more.
2: You're absolutely right about that. Well, on that note, we are going to wrap things up. We have had a terrific show. A special thanks to Jonathan Tannewald for joining us in our second segment. Uh, you can listen to that again as he appeared us on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. Thursday, Simon. We've got some fun people coming on. We're going to have Michelle Dalton from the Chicago Red Stars, Kyle Grigg from Vancouver Whitecaps, too, and hopefully Mr. Soccer himself, Jason Davis, will be here to join us as well. So it's going to be a full show, and uh, we are excited to do that. But you can listen to our show Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time live right here on Spreaker.com. And of course, if you ever miss an episode, you can find it by going to our website, 2 It's on iTunes, iHeartRadio, PlayingFor90.com, all those fun places as well.
0: Yeah, by the way, thank you to all- all those extra listeners yeah. we got on playing for 90 we we actually get to see where those listens are coming from so all for all you folks at playing for 90 thumbs up to you uh again you can find us on facebook though post stuff there once in a while sure. uh, you can also you know just type in two up front in the search bar otherwise find us on twitter at two Upfront soccer don't forget the soccer on there at baxter colburn at simon pro for our personal handles
2: all right simon it's always a pleasure sir i will see you on thursday you uh, you have any predictions fast tfc Montreal? oh that's right
0: that, yeah well we kind of basically said i think it's going to be toronto two to one <laughs> that's
2: exactly what i was thinking <laughs> as well too toronto is gonna it's it's gonna be fun tfc and seattle i think would be the ultimate mls cup final i'm looking forward to it
0: I, it would it would it would be a, a fun exciting one at least it should be
2: exactly he's simon Proven. i'm baxter colburn with our manager being the one above we are two up front